Okay, so welcome to uh, IPET Network's podcast, Educating Tony. Um, and this week, an exciting week, is uh, Rebecca Waters from Pup Starts. I hope I said that correctly. And um, we're going to be talking all about breeding. So, uh, hi, Rebecca. Hi, Tony. Thank you for having me. No problem. It is a real big pleasure. So, first of all, um, one of the things that is, is really interesting, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Who are you? You know, what's your background? What's your experiences? Okay, well, it's been um, it's been dogs from the very beginning, really, one way or another. <laughs> I um, as a child, I was I was the girl that wasn't ever allowed a dog. Um, I family were working um, working professionals in London, and it wasn't appropriate for us to have a dog. And every birthday cake and every set of candles I blew out, it was please, 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 can I have a dog? Um, and now I've got fourteen, so they should have nipped that in the bud earlier, shouldn't they? Really, <laughs> <laughs> they <laughs> definitely should have done. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I left school, did some work experience at Battersea Dogs Home, um, went on to work quite extensively in rescue, set up a pet care company and was then contracted to run the London Borough of Wolf and Forest Animal Warden Service for a, for a while. During my time there, we dealt with obviously lots of rescues, lots of strays. We also dealt with the licensing of the pet shops and the boarding kennels and the establishments, um, Actually, the quarantine kennels in in East London, which was at um, was in, was in Chinkford, um, run by Goddard Veterinary Group. So, you know, quite an extensive set of experiences in my early twenties, and then had a bit of a break from work while I raised my children, and we moved from London to Shropshire, and I started to think to myself, you know, how can we change this cycle of dogs ending up in rescue why why are they in rescue why why do we see this perpetual set of circumstances where these dogs who at some point were wanted somebody went and bought a puppy or picked up a puppy or was given a puppy and they were loved and wanted initially where does it go wrong what's what's going on here you know um and I decided that what I would do was put my my training skills and my experience into practice and I, I started to think to myself that you know actually it starts with breeding starts right 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 at the very beginning of this process where we are selecting two dogs to be matched together and from that point onwards the breeder then decides the course of the path of those puppies lives and what I decided to do was put as I say put my my knowledge and my skills into into practice and really dedicated the last 16 years to championing responsible and ethical breeding using science-based methods using tried and tested methods not all of them my own methods but tried and tested methods nonetheless for raising raising the dogs of 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 our future really dogs that are needed you know we don't need working dogs like we used to we need well-rounded temperamentally sound and healthy family pets the majority of the time that's the biggest market um and and there is a way of doing that and doing that properly so that's that's where it all started and that's where I am now really so that sounds like a that sounds like a really interesting journey in the sense of um where it started you know your love for animals came in very early and also you know say working for some of these large organizations in London I'm sure was very challenging so you know what 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 are the major challenges would you say um, I think it's twofold, really. I think it's first and foremost a lack of a lack of 
correct education. I think that the yeah. um, the dog breeding world is 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 not regarded highly at all. If you're a dog breeder, you must be Cruella Deville. Um, it isn't championed. You know, if you breed dogs, you 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 are somebody who is considered to be doing something that's a bit risque, a bit shady. Um, and you know what? That is just not so. That's just not correct. That's not how it is. Dog breeders love dogs to start doing what they're doing because they love dogs and they they want to be around dogs and they want to work with dogs but there just is a huge lack of education available so that people can be proud of what they do um you know up until this point you could not be a qualified dog breeder there were no qualifications that you could aspire to achieve there was no learning path that you know there, there, there was no educational journey for people who wanted to do dog breeding in a, in a professional way and when I say professional I don't mean pumping out puppies in quantity you can still be very professional and moral and ethical and responsible about what you do um you don't have to breed 100 puppies a year to to be considered professional you know um and and I and I feel that where it goes wrong is that you know wherever there is a lack of education, there are a lack of standards. And if there's a lack of standards, whatever it is within that that environment that you're talking about is going to suffer. Whether that's the breeders themselves, whether that's the dogs within the industry, the puppies that are being sold, and then the people who then get those puppies. So if a puppy is bred without due care and attention and consideration and education, it is then raised not using the best me best methods and not raised using the best of, of, of science and training available and then homed to people who are novice dog owners and have never had a puppy before that puppy's not getting off to the best of starts and you know we have lots of evidence to say that there are very very clear-cut ways of raising puppies that of breeding and raising puppies that then mean that the onward journey for those puppies is a much more secure future and I think if we start to get in at grassroots level, we can start to mitigate some of the problems that you see in rescue further down the line. It's a really interesting point. So are we, are we talking education even maybe uh, in schools, even maybe a little oh, bit more about, you know, about empathy for animals, about the understanding of, you know, is, is that something that uh, you think we could maybe, you know, think about in the future? Uh, because yeah, obviously yeah. animals yeah. is a large part of a lot of people's lives now a huge part of people's lives and you know in a lot of cases it's a huge part of education because you're seeing dogs being taken into education educational institutions dogs going into prisons dogs going into nursing homes and hospitals you know we know now that animals are proven to lower stress levels um in a lot of instances with special needs education that you've got you know dogs being used to calm and yeah. um you know and, and and support children who need it so i mean definitely responsible pet ownership understanding how to cohabit in this world with the animals that are within it is a huge part of education for me and it's been mandatory for my two boys unfortunately for them <laughs> i think they think they play second fiddle to the dogs in our house but, yeah, um, yeah, we're we're a bit like that my wife has a horse so uh, my, my both both boys get taught all the you know, this has to happen. This is what you need to think about. You know, so it is, is a very uh, yeah. We we are very kind of uh, I don't know, well drilled, should I say? Yes, absolutely, uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That's one exactly of the words, how it should be. Yeah, one of the words that I, I just want to pick up on, if that's okay, um, before we kind of round things up and, and and look at some just some your thoughts on tips is you use the word scientific. What, what you know? What are some of the scientific elements to it? You know what. 
could you just give me one example? It'd be really interesting. Yeah, okay. So one good example is that we now know that how puppies develop and how their brains develop can be affected quite significantly by hormone levels. And those hormone levels can have an effect on the brain and the learning that affects the dog's behaviour. So, for example, when a puppy is eight weeks old, they go through um, what we call a fear period. And that fear period is different for every puppy. Some puppies, it lasts long, longer. Some puppies, it happens literally in the blink of an eye and you wouldn't necessarily notice it. But if that puppy at that moment in time is exposed to something during its fear period, that it then considers to be an experience that, it, that wasn't pleasant for it, it can hang on to that for the rest of its life. Right. Um, and this is all to do with the hormones and the brain development. So it's just one example of the science that we now have at our fingertips that we know that one thing that a puppy can experience at the wrong time at eight weeks can affect that puppy for the rest of its life. And that's powerful because at eight weeks, we're picking them up and we're taking them home and we're putting them in the car and we're introducing them to their new family members and we're, doing, we're giving them lots of new experiences. Well, if your puppy's going through a fear period at that phase and you don't know how to spot it, and you don't know how to support that puppy, you could be inadvertently exposing your puppy to something it will be frightened of forever, like travelling in the car, or the crate at home for the first night, or the cat that it's never met before, or, you know, you know, mm. you know we could be here all day, you know, giving that yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. you know, we now know fact, that's not my opinion, it's fact, it's scientific fact, that this is what happens. And so if we don't educate breeders owners you know trainers whoever you know people who are relevant to this um, industry if they don't know what to look for and the signs to spot they can inadvertently be making really big problems that that further down the line affect the dog significantly if somebody bought that puppy because they wanted to be able to take it for long rambling walks every day but it's petrified of getting in the car after 12 months they might decide i don't want this dog anymore this is not what i wanted I've got this dog and it's car sick. Every single time I take it in the car, it's car sick. And that could have been created by a lack of education in the first instance because the dog was going through a fear period at eight weeks when it was collected by its own. It was put in the car and it now associates the car with something that was a terrifying experience for it. Yeah. That's, so uh, that's, you know, yeah. they just have huge knock-on effects. These, that's, these, you know, they're, they're really interesting because obviously, as you say, and the science is, is playing a, a huge part in, uh, in just understanding. And, and I think that's, that's a, sometimes we, it's not guesswork anymore. It's no. an understanding and, and, and it's, it's that education piece again, which yeah. I think is really important. Absolutely. So we're really excited for the yeah, iPad Network's level three qualification coming out. You know, really excited um, of, of how it can impact um, uh, kind of, of training and education, like you say. Um, and obviously your role has been, been pivotal in that and, and your experience has been pivotal in that, uh, driving that forward. But I'd like to kind of finish on one thing, if that's okay. Well, two things, really. One is about tips. Well, you know, I always ask somebody to give us their biggest tip. So, if, you know, if, if, you, if you were looking to, uh, to look at a breed and what's the biggest tip you give someone to think about? And then obviously, you know, uh, what's your own thoughts about this qualification, you know, your, your excitement thoughts? Well, so first of all, tips. What tip would you give anybody to think, well, actually, this is one thing I, I would consider if you ever look looking, getting a dog or, or thinking about a breeder. What would, you, what would your tip be? 
Um, well, yeah, I've got, I've got two. Can I have two? Am I allowed to? <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> I got two. Go tips. on then. Go, Give you me can two. Have two tips Go on. I'll let you, I'll let you um, I've Go got on. two tips. Okay, so number one, um, from the breeder, if we're talking about the breeder's point of view, yeah. my number one tip is hold true to what it is you're trying to breed. So yeah. if you are deciding that what you want to breed is, is family pets, think about what that actually involves and think about what you need to do to create the perfect family pet and hold true to that. Okay. And, and, that and that means being super critical about your own breeding. Um, and that's a really difficult thing for people to do. And, okay. and, and that you have to maintain high standards. And to do that, you have to be critical about what you're creating, what you're producing. So that would be my breeder tip, you know, okay. be, be critical of yourself and the, and the dogs that you're, because if you're critical, you will improve. Okay. If you just constantly pat yourself on the back and say, oh, didn't I do well? Aren't they all cute and fluffy? You're never going to improve. And there's always room for improvement. Always. Yeah. Always. Doesn't matter what you're breeding. You can always breed better. Um, and your procedures and your protocols can always be better. Um, and that, that's, that's my breeder tip. Um, my owner tip is go with your gut instinct and if your gut instinct is telling you that the puppies that are in front of you are not quite the right fit for you then be bold and walk away because we will never change the industry by breeder bashing the whole time we need owners to stand up and be counted and say, I'm not buying that puppy. I feel deeply sorry for it, but I'm not paying the money and creating the trade. I'm not going to continue to support people who are not being responsible and ethical. And until owners stand up and refuse to keep paying the money, we will struggle to really change the tide. So that would be my owner tip. Okay, so stay with your gut, think of your gut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And understand what you want as a a family pet and understand what sort of things you need. Fabulous. Yeah. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, so, qualification coming out. How do you think it will, will work with you? What, what you know? What are your thoughts uh, going forward? You know, you've got some really good things coming up. So, what, what you know? What's your thoughts? How's it going to work for you? Okay. Well, first of all, I am like super excited about this. I'm counting down the sleeps. I'm 42 and I'm counting down the sleeps <laughs> to the, the launch. I'm like so excited. Um, because this is like a life's work for me. This is um, this is the start of breeders being championed for what they do. We breed people's best mates. We, if you're doing what you're doing and you're doing it well, you are going to give a little fluffy bundle to a family. That family's life is going to change from there on out. Quite a lot of the time, you keep your dog longer than you keep your wife, your car, your house. You know, if I had to choose... In my life, my dog or some of my friends, my dog's taking it. I'm sorry. (laughs) And, you know, we play a massive, you know, being a dog breeder, that's a huge thing. That's massive. And I'm so proud of what I do. And I want to be able to be professional at it. You know, I would not have an unqualified electrician do the electrics in my house. So I don't want to buy a puppy from somebody who is not qualified to do the job because I'm buying a best friend that's going to live in my house with my family, with my children. And I want to know that the person that's created that dog is qualified to do it. And it's a very, very different question that owners get to ask between, 
you know, could you please tell me what your social socialisation plan is and can you tell me how you've raised these puppies? It's a very different question being having the power and the ability to turn around to a breeder and say, are you qualified to do the job? That's a massively powerful question. And I hope that's where it lands. You know, I am like so excited about it because it's going to change the industry. You know, breeders don't get to have a standard. We don't get to to say, hey, look, I'm fully qualified. Here's my certificate. You know, I've got a, a degree in dog breeding or I'm a, you know, I've got a diploma in it. We don't get to say that. But as of today, we do. As of today, we get to say, I am qualified to do my job and here's my qualification. And that is huge. That is absolutely huge. So it, it means that we get to stand out from the shadows. We don't have to be, you know, Cruella de Vil lurking in the, you know, what you do for a living? Oh, you know, I breed dogs <clears throat> while you're looking at your feet. You know, you get to stand up and go, I'm a dog breeder. Fully qualified. Proud Fantastic. Well, you know? I, I think that is a, a perfect place to finish. Um, look, I, it's been really, it's really, really educational for me, understanding all about science. You know, tips and tricks are always good. And, and not just, you know, and understanding some of those thought processes that people go through with, if there isn't a qualification for them. And I think that, I think that's come out in, in the passions of the words you said at the end. Look, Rebecca, it's, it's really been a pleasure. Uh, appreciate your time. Um, IPEP Network, uh, Educating Tony, Rebecca Waters. Thanks very much. Thank you. Speak to you again soon. Oh, thank you.